I speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd hoped to be able to speak on this text some long time ago, the last time I spoke to you, so it's a real privilege to be able to do that today. And it happened to be a long time before I knew that Tracy and Matthew were going to renew their wedding vows. But because I knew they were going to, I did go and ask each of them whether it was the text they'd had at their wedding. Both of them told me independently that they could not remember. It is a uh, popular text at weddings, and actually it's the text that Jeremy and I had when we were married. And I wasn't going to say this, but I am going to, because I remember sitting in the priest's office, and we were the first wedding he had as a new incumbent, and I asked him whether he read his Bible. (laughs) He happens now to be a bishop, I'm assuming he does. I think, though, because it's a popular text for weddings, it's one that we don't often hear preached. But actually, I think it's a really rich and deep passage, and it's definitely not just for weddings. Last week, Peter Guinness spoke about what the fear of the Lord is. It's a great sermon, so if you haven't been able to listen to it, hear it online. Two things I took away were that fear of the Lord is respect for who he is in relation to who we are, and that we are all held accountable for how we act in this life. So I think because of Tracy and Matthew's wedding vow renewal, and also because we've thought about the fear of the Lord, it's really apt today to speak about the love of God for us. Because we do have the solid assurance of God's love for us. Some of you might remember the children's song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So, I See Some Nods. As a child, I used to wonder which bit. That might sound like a really odd thing to think, but I remember thinking it. But I now know that it's all of it together. John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's wonderful, isn't it? I could have picked numerous verses to speak out loud, but that one's a favourite. In my daily prayer, I've been reading the story of the road to Emmaus for, believe it or not, a few weeks now. Jesus came alongside two people walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus and in conversation he started to talk with them. He started to unwrap and unravel the scriptures to them and it says he started with Moses and then all the prophets and he interpreted to them the things all about himself in all the scriptures So friends, we need to hold all of them together, don't we? And what is the greatest view of love? Well, I think 
it's magnified in that point in time when God became flesh. At a particular point in time, in a particular place, in a particular culture, and in a particular life, God came to dwell with humanity. And it is in that life, how it was lived, and in the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, that we, friends, have the greatest understanding of what love is. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and I think he knew personally really well what the love of God is. Some of you might remember his dramatic conversion on the Damascus Road, the one who had persecuted the followers of Jesus, persecuted Jesus, persecuted the church. Yet that meeting transformed him and the rest of his life. If you read the beginning of Galatians, we know that it was some time before his ministry as apostle to the Gentiles commenced. Have you ever wondered what God was doing with him during that time so that his ministry was going to be as effective as it could be? I think a lot of his writings actually reflect the results of his wrestling He knew God in a personal and powerful way. He understood the scriptures and he understands the meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus for the world. So we look at some of his other writings. I love the book of Romans. I've read that recently as well. Romans 5, 8. This is the assurance of love. God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, God died for us. And Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read verse 37. Paul says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The love of God for us seen in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus that deals with our sin, that restores us, that reframes us to be the people that God intended us to be, is a gift. And friends, we can choose to accept that gift for ourselves. It's offered to us but we have to accept it. We have to say yes to Jesus for ourselves and for our own life. And actually, the beauty of it is that it really doesn't matter how deserving, we, undeserving we feel, how sinful, how wayward, how disobedient we have been, we can still accept that wonderful gift. And as we do, it's a love that brings about change in us. Paul wrote in in Galatians this time, 
I have been crucified with Christ, says Paul, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul had a personal faith experience of Jesus. I accepted the gift of Jesus for myself, and we can call it and speak about it in different ways, can't we? But I accepted that gift for myself over 40 years ago. During the last 40 years, my knowledge has grown, my experience of God working in my life has grown, and I continue to grow and journey with him. I do appreciate that it's a saying yes to him every day of my life. But I also know that over 40 years ago, God gave me some gifts as I came to know him. Some really special gifts that in his mercy he still seems to give me today, not for myself, but for the church. All that long time ago, almost 40 years ago, I saw the fact that I would one day be ordained. And that was at a time when women were not ordained in the church. So I've had some quite strange and difficult things to carry, which have been hard to hold. But actually, as I've grown, they've got slightly easier to carry and hold. All of these things are why I chose this passage today. Because love is what we all need to remember for ourselves as we journey in this life and to know the love of God for ourselves. It's the way God relates to us and love is the way we are called to relate to each other. And when we have received the love of God for ourselves, we are able to love each other's as God calls us to, because what seems impossible in our own strength is possible in his. And this type of loving is so upside down compared to the world we live in today, because it's about sacrifice and service. It's not about power, it's got nothing to do with pride or strength or ambition. It comes from a place of humility. This sort of love has a special word in the Greek text. It's agape love. It loves without changing. It's self-giving. It doesn't demand or expect any repayment. Its love is so great that it can be given to people that seem unlovable or unappealing. It's a love that loves even when there's rejection. It loves because it wants to. It doesn't demand or expect repayment. It's got very little to do with emotion with how I feel, but far more to do with self-denial for the sake of somebody else. And what Paul says in this 
part of the letter is that if we haven't love, this sort of sacrifice, sacrificial love for each other, all the rest of the gifts and what God wants to do with us, well, quite frankly, it's all useless. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What that is saying, I think, is that all the wonderful spiritual gifts that we as the body of Christ are given are useless if we don't know how to love each other. In fact, you may as well not have been given them in the first place. Instead of the clanging cymbals, I was thinking of an analogy for today. Perhaps it's like going to listen to a beautiful orchestra with your favourite piece of classical music, but included in the instruments is a pneumatic drill. You wouldn't be able to hear the beauty of that music. You'd probably end up with a headache. So what is love? Love is patient. It doesn't give up. It's long-suffering. Something that continues, something that waits. Love is kind. That's quite an old-fashioned word, isn't it? Acts of kindness, the small things are really important to encourage each other. And one of the texts that seems to have been coming back, particularly over the last few months here for us as church, has been from Colossians. Um, and that's what Martin read from as we started PCC meeting last week. Colossians 3. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. So what is love not? And I've taken the words from the message translation to read them back. Love doesn't want what it hasn't got. It doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel. There's a lot that I could say there, but the thing that I want to say is it's not about me first. It's not self-centred. I, believe it or not, am not the centre of the universe, and nor are you. It's self-sacrificial love it's Christ-like love it puts up with anything trusts God always always looks for the best never looks back but keeps going to the end and that's the other thing about love it doesn't end it finds its fulfillment or will find its fulfillment in eternity And that's why Paul says it's really important. It's a way of being and living and relating in right relationship with each other and God. And that will continue beyond this life. And it's then that the other gifts will not be needed because we will know as we are fully known, we will see face to face. The gifts are for now, for building up each other, 
for building up the church. You see, the Corinthians were arguing about which were the greater gifts. That's why Paul wants to say love is. I received a gift from a member of the congregation a few months ago now, I think. I won't say who they were, but they gave me a word of prophecy um, as they were leaving, um, which spoke to me. They had no idea what was going on in my mind, and I don't think really I had any idea of what it was relating to, but they had the courage to share with me in great humility and with great love. And because of the manner that was delivered to me, I accepted it thankfully. I've since hoped to encourage them with a greater understanding of what that meant to me at the time. Without them coming to me in love, it might have been a very different situation, but because they did, I was able to accept what they said very readily. And I've wrestled with how to end this, and actually I've kept coming back to three things to say. And that's why there are three things on the table here now. So this may be something that God wants to say to us today, but I offer it incredibly lightly to you. The first thing I think I want to remind us all of is that love is a choice. Firstly, I've already mentioned we can accept, choose to accept the gift of Jesus for ourselves. And when we do know the love of God for ourselves, we are free to choose the way of love in how we live our lives. And I think choosing to love isn't something that's perfected in us immediately, but we grow in the way of love as we practice. And I think the analogy here is it's similar to learning to ride a bike. I'm sure the first time I got on a bike, I fell off. I love riding a bike, but not on busy roads now. And I still am not good enough to enter the Tour de France and win that yellow jersey. <laughs> but those who do and who can, I'm sure, have practised hard. So the first gift I've brought you on my leaving are sweets and chocolates. Haribo and Heroes. A few of you might know that I love Haribo, so choose the heroes. <laughs> but I hope there's something there that you would all like. And as you take a sweet or a chocolate, do remember that living in love is a choice. The second thing that I think I need to say is that loving is a practical application it's not something we just believe in our minds, but it's something that we have to do. This can be quite tricky, can't it? It's no longer just about me, it's about all of us together. In Mark, we can read in verse 12, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. I think that's the tricky bit, isn't it? Because we have to love others as we love ourselves. So do we know how to love ourselves first? That's really important. Ponder it. 
And then if we do know how to love ourselves, we are more able to love others. Because if not, we may treat ourselves in a most wonderful way, but actually we might not extend the same love and care and graciousness to others. The other thing I want to say within this is that sometimes love is quite hard. Sometimes we might have to say the hard thing in love to another. So there's lots of ways we need to practice the outworking of love, loving ourselves, loving others, sometimes doing the hard and difficult thing out of love. And all that is a way of serving each other. So my second gift to you is a box of tea. I've been really touched here because I don't drink much caffeine, so there's now decaffeinated black tea bags. There's now a lot more choice on the decaffeinated and herbal and fruit spectrum for you. So choose to serve others. Practice. Think of what other people need and would like. And the joy of this is, as we learn to love and live in love, God changes us from the inside out. Those words were mentioned as we prayed this morning together. The third thing, you see, is the church is where we mature in love. Marriage is also a place where we learn to mature in love. And I've wondered, as I've prepared this, of what you thought of love and the journey of marriage 25 years ago. And Matthew and Tracy, what you might say differently, oh no, differently now. I bet there's something that's deeper and richer than you ever dreamed of in your life together. And that is continuing as you journey with God in the years ahead. Colossians again, bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, Forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. We need to continue to bear with each other in love. God has not finished with any of us yet. I know I'm not perfect. And as we bear with each other, again, there's a choice in how we do this. So just think about that criticising that might flow from your mouth, that judgement, that way of talking that might be unhelpful. And think about the words or the actions that would change those criticisms or those difficult things into love. You see, we do at times rub each each other up the wrong way. That's part of being human, you know. I do it, you do it, we all do it together. But actually, God has given us a way of not having to stay like that, of something better for us, for his church and for his people. My third gift might look a bit odd, but it's a prayer tree. And there's lots of tags and string My hope that at some point you might be able to write prayers and tie them onto the tree for each other. Because I think one remedy of learning how to live with each other 
is to continue to pray for each other and be thankful for one, one for each other. We are so much richer for all being together. Everybody matters. Everybody's important. Let's forgive and bear with each other as we all at times struggle with what life throws at us. So the three gifts. Love is a choice. Love is something that we need to do. And the church is the place where we learn to love together. You're going to have to indulge me a little bit now because it's the last time I'm going to stand up here and preach. So I love poetry. So I'm going to end with a poem by George Herbert called Love. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack, from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here, Love said, you shall be he, I, the unkind, ungrateful. Ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I. Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. And know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. So I did sit and eat. So thank you, friends, for loving me. I have tried to love you. I think we'll all have different stories. Some things have been great and some things I've really had to learn from because they could have been better. But thank you for bearing with me the last few years. And I've just remembered I had another gift because I've got a particular one for Martin. Um, no, just to say, Martin, thank you so much for the years, for bearing with me. Thank you.